Welcome to Life in Private Staffing with me, Philippa Smith, MD of Silver Swan Recruitment. As we all know, the private sector is a pretty crazy one. Not only can it be very challenging to work in, but it can be pretty lonely too, as let's face it, no one really understands what it is that we do. So let's come together, help, support, educate and inspire one another, and hopefully we'll have a laugh along the way. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Oh, God, how long has it been? Welcome back. Three weeks has it been? Welcome back to uh, uh, Life in Private Staffing with me, Philippa Smith. Yeah, we've had a little break. I don't usually take a little break. Um, took a little break because we went over to the States, which I'm sure everybody's seen everywhere. We went over and did an awesome trip. And I was too busy before I left to pre-record a load of podcasts. So we took a little break. I think it's nice to have a little break from these things. Give you, you guys something else to listen to for a little while. Uh, but yeah, we're back now. We had a really, really good trip. Thank you to everybody who's listening, who we met. We went over to New York, went over to San Fran, LA, and then Jess and Chris went on to Florida. I reckon in total as a group, we met probably about 120, 130 estate managers. Like, how cool is that? Uh, and beyond it, beyond being cool that we met everybody, everybody met everybody else. So we put loads of people in touch with each other. We had some really cool events. It was a so really, really nice little break. Really good to see everybody. Absolutely knackering, but totally worth it. So thank you to everybody that came and met with us. Uh, thanks for your patience, everybody else that's been waiting for me while I've been away. But yeah, now we're back. Uh, it's in October, middle of October. And we've only got, can you believe it, quarter four, two and a half months left at the end of the year, which is just mental. So hope you're all well. What have we got today? Today we are diving straight in, uh, talking to Jennifer Lawrence. People in the States may know of Jennifer. She does a lot. She was involved in DEMA. She's now uh, heavily involved in Private Service Alliance with Natalie Hudson. She's doing lots to contribute to the industry, improve the industry, as sort of a lot of us are. And she has done a huge amount of learning and training in, in this space uh, and then worked in the States herself for a number of years. And then for the last sort of, 10, 15 years, she's run, been running her own um, consultancy firm, Luxury Lifestyle Logistics. Um, so we'll dive into a conversation with her in a minute, uh, tell you all about what it is that she does um, and how she can help your household and the lives of your principals by the work that she does. Uh, before we do, um, I want to talk about Tracy Jones's fabulous workshops. We've done the first one. The first one was the last Monday in November, uh, about September, and it was about effective. It was active listening and effective questioning, and the feedback was phenomenal. Everybody that did it said it was brilliant, very useful. We are still selling the recordings for forty pounds. If people are interested, that's probably about fifty bucks. Um, off the back of that, you know, people have sort of gone away with tangible things they can implement on how they can effectively uh, manage and coach the people in their team, how, which will avoid a lot of conflict, etc. So really, really useful stuff. It was an hour uh, or so on a Monday evening, followed by some sort of Q&A. Take some time for yourself. It's really, really important. Our next session is coming up on the last Monday of October. I believe it's the 30th. Same again. Book your ticket. We'll make the links available. I'm going to slap it all over the WhatsApp groups. Book your ticket. It's not a lot of money. It's really useful stuff. If nothing else, it's nice to hang out with other people that do what you do on a call on a Monday evening. There are some people that have booked all these sessions. So it'd be really nice for them to go back every single month, spend more time with Tracy. If you have a problem, a specific situation you're struggling with, bring it with you. There'll be a Q&A. It can be completely unrelated to the actual session that day. But you know the session, you know, situation, my chef and my chef hate each other. How can I fix it? That kind of thing she'll help you with, you know. My principal is, you know, killing me in the sense that I'm not getting any free time. How do I manage that? I need to give feedback. I'm struggling. How do I do that? So anything you've got, particularly now, therapists charge a lot of money to go and talk about this stuff one on one. So bring it to the session. So uh, the next session that we've got is the emotional triad 
and how to self-regulate in times of high pressure, how useful is that going to be? How often are you going to find yourself or must you find yourself in times of high pressure? And how can you self-regulate? How can you use your inner dialogue? What can you say to yourself in those moments to keep you calm, keep you collected and still be effective and perform really highly in your role, you know? So a whole session there on um, managing yourself in times of high pressure. Let me know if you need the link. If you haven't got it, I'll send it all out. Get yourself the seats do sell. So get yourself, and as I say, we've already pre-sold a few people that are off the back of the last session have just signed up straight away. So I really want to get this one sold out as well. Monday, 30th of October, the emotional triad and how to self-regulate in times of high pressure. Book your seat. As I say, um, shout if you don't have the link, I'll provide it for you. Um, other than that, I don't know what else we've got going on other than we're mad busy, which I say every single time. I've got to stop saying it. But we are busy and stuff in America is going mental, um, which is brilliant. So I'm going to be on a massive hiring drive actually over 2024 to um, massively sort of broadcast our team. We now actually have our uh, full-on American entity set up, our American bank account, our tax number. Um, so I can now have staff. So I'm uh, over the course of 2024 going to be hiring a team of consultants who'll come over to the UK, be trained here and then be based over West Coast and East Coast. So again, you, everyone knows that I like to do this. I like to have, offer the personal service, you know, if you're hiring, cool, let's meet this afternoon. Tell me all about it come and see your home if I can, and we'll take it from there. So having consultants, uh, you know, nearby, I think it's just so beneficial. So um, other than that, everywhere, UK, Europe, Saudi, just busy. Busy, I'm not complaining. It's great. You obviously know where we are. If you are hiring, do use us. We are good, I promise. Having said that, there's quite a lot of people I met in America who were like, so what is it you guys actually do? I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, so maybe we're not that clear that we are a uh, you know, placement agency and we help you recruit your domestic staff. But yeah, mad, that is what we do. So anyone, if it's been unclear up till now, a replacement agency, we help you with your recruitment. So um, yeah, if you are looking for work, if you're looking for staff, obviously come find us. Um, please come and sign up for Tracy's next workshop, uh, end of 30th of October. If you want to be a guest, come and talk to me. We'll get you on the podcast. Other than that, let's get straight on with the show. Welcome to Jennifer. Hello, Jennifer. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for elevating the conversation for all of us in private service. Oh, you're so welcome. I don't do anything. Everyone does it for me. Everyone comes on and, and contributes. But I still know what you mean. Having a platform, I think, has just been really great, you know, for everybody. Well, you're definitely a trailblazer. So we're so grateful for this platform and the opportunity to talk about what we do. And we're here finally. This is our take two. We attempted this a few days ago and we didn't get very far because neither of our computers worked. Take two, we're here and everything seems to be working. So yes, cross our fingers. Tell everybody where you are at the moment. Where are you based? So I'm a digital nomad and we'll get into that a little bit um, through my work, my consulting practice. Um, I am strictly a fiduciary advising consultant to high net worth families. And I sell my time in weeks. So I go in and I do a full operational assessment, assessment with the client and really get to see how their teams are interfacing there um, and working together and collaborating and talk with the principals and talk with the staff. And by the end of the week, um, hopefully we all have a resolution on how things are working more effectively. So I go wherever my next contract is. Um, currently, right now I'm in Dallas, Texas. I am based here in the U.S. exclusively. We can talk a little bit about that. I think it's really interesting, the North American and the European divide on mentalities and ownership in uh, domestic service. But yes, I'm always looking for my next opportunity to serve a worthy family. And I've been doing it for the last 13 years. Wow. So you're in Texas because you've got a client that needs you then. You go in for a week. And then how long do you sort of, do, do you then, can you then leave and work remotely anywhere? Or do you sort of stay around on site till the project's finished? 
I don't take project management driven work. So what I do is I just go in and advise them on their operations. And um, I don't feel like if I get into the middle of projects that I can really be truthful and transparent on some of the discrepancies that are occurring. So really, I'm, I'm a bit like an ombudsman person. I talk to the staff. I talk to the owners. I help communication. I collaborate with them on best practices. So yes, I'm strictly there as an observer. You can think of me like that show Super Nanny or Bar Rescue, where they go in and they kind of watch everything like Gordon Ramsay with Kitchen Nightmare. And really, you know, just giving a third party objective opinion helps the owners take themselves out of the context of it being their personal lives and how helps them to look more objectively at the running of their household as a, as if it were a business. Because when you have a large staff and many vendors that service the households, it is like a small business, but you're serving one person or one family. So you have to ride that line of professionalism and also personalization in a way that doesn't tie the owners to the, the ins and outs of the management of it. So that's what I like to help my owners realize when I'm there. Yeah, nice. And you generally uh, spend a week doing this. Is that typically the length of the sort of uh, contract you've got on? About a week at a time. Um, I can go back like quarterly and give operational updates. And, um, you know, I'm always available um, on the phone for once I've assisted them with their on-site evaluation. Then I have a better understanding as to how to have a conversation with them off-site. So yes, I do keep up with my clients regularly and help the conversation with their onboarding a new staff member or they need to resign a staff member. If they need to expand their team, what does that look like? Um, really just giving um, a window into how they can be more effective in their daily lives. Yeah, I love it. Well, I want to go into later on the, your actual services and the sort of like areas in which you do that. Take us right back. Where did all this start for you? What were you doing before you even knew the private world existed? So I didn't have my driver's license before I knew private service existed. I have been in private service since I was 17 years old. <laughs> um, I'll take you right back. At 16, I had an amazing internship in music business. Music business was my first major. So I moved from San Francisco, California to Nashville, Tennessee to an opportunity to serve um, people in the spotlight in a music business environment. So I was working at, at a recording label. I was working at an artist management firm. And really, I got to see the behind the scenes of supporting someone in the limelight, which was a wonderful opportunity. So through that internship, I had the opportunity to host and cater and help at a beautiful party at a fabulous estate and found out about the world of private service. And the rest, they say, is history. So I changed my major. I pivoted. I moved to Chicago, Illinois, to a small independent women's college. And it was the only women's college that specialized in hospitality with an undercurrent of domestic service to the curriculum. So I, I got a full four-year degree in domestic minded hospitality. And it was one of the most um, amazing four-year degrees that you know you could get in the world of private service. It wasn't specifically meant to be those working in you know high net worth private service, but the conversation because it was a women's college was how do we bring that professionalism and art of homemaking to our hospitality world? How can we take traditional hospitality and build it out in a way that's um, comfortable for the family environment that you're trying to facilitate. So it was an amazing experience. And I knew I wanted to be a butler um, right from the get-go, right from university. So then I went on to Mr. McPherson's Butler Academy uh, in Toronto, Canada. I have a year wine sommelier certificate. I have a year of visual communication certificate. I went on to the Protocol School of Washington in Washington, D.C. for etiquette and protocol training. 
um, and a bit of safety and security training, which was invaluable as well. And then I went on to get my master's degree in hospitality and wrote a thesis on estate management communication. So I have devoted my professional life and professional endeavors to the world of private service my entire career. The first 10 years, I was working exclusively as a um, private service employee. Um, I was a nanny manager, house manager, estate manager, worked my way up through the ranks. And then in 2010, I decided that um, I really saw the inefficiencies and the lack of understanding of traditional hospitality and how it can be morphed into a private service setting. And so that's when I opened my consulting practice. Um, so I opened my consulting practice 13 years ago. I did rebrand in 2015. So I've been luxury lifestyle logistics exclusively since 2015. That's my story. So um, I've been pleased to meet some amazing, you know, um, colleagues in this field. I was uh, part of the Domestic Estate Managers Association as their chapter president in Chicago for 10 years. And that was really an amazing opportunity to network and communicate and collaborate with other people in the field. And DEMA closed their doors uh, right before COVID. And so Natalie Hudson actually picked them up, bought them out of bankruptcy, and she started Private Service Alliance here in the United States. And so now I'm on the Global Advisory Board for Private Service Alliance, which is another opportunity for me to share my gifts and teach and train and coach and, and speak on all these things nationwide. So I'm really, really pleased to be um, in such an, a remarkable industry, and I hope that I can be a thought leader throughout the rest of my career. Wow, loads to unpack there. Awesome. Yeah, Natalie um, been, has been on this podcast also, so I had the opportunity to talk to Natalie um, like at length about what she's doing, which is great. I just think this, this industry, the more of this, the better in terms of people talking, collaborating, come together. Dima, I was, part, I was in the chapter here in the UK for Dima uh, back in the day. Yes, I think that's how we knew each other initially a long time ago. Yeah, I think so. So, um, but it's a shame that that folded when it did, but at the same time, it just left lots of space for the people to sort of step up and do their own sort of thing to sort of bring people together. So that's brilliant. People often talk to me about the benefit of training. Shall I do a butler course? Shall I not? Shall I train? Shall I not? I always think training is only a good thing. It's like there's no, nothing bad can come off the back of doing some training. So I always encourage people to train. I think that you have done the most amount of training out of anyone that I've ever spoken to in terms of the sort of like background, just the background learning, just the learning behind your craft before sort of going into it. It's like that sort of level from, you know, you did degrees and masters and thesis and and obviously the butler course is great as well a lot of people will do a two-week butler course and consider themselves trained do you know what I mean you therefore must be a massive believer in the benefit of training I do a hundred percent don't hold me to it but I'm currently trying to turn my master's thesis into a PhD dissertation so we'll see if that ever comes to fruition but yes I'm a lifelong learner and I truly believe that you have to forge your own path in this industry. There is no set way on making it. You know, I've never been a stew on a yacht. If I were to need to, you know, do that in some capacity, I would need to reach out to my fellow colleagues for all the training and all the understanding on how um, it varies from land to water, right? And so there are just so many nuances and complexities in private service and I think that people don't understand that it's because the, of the nature of what we do is idiosyncratic, meaning that every family is different and every family is not going to have a set standard for how they want things done. And a lot of the research that I've done through my thesis and dissertation work is really um, about the misnomer of modeling everything after a hotel environment because the owners love to see that you know, um, formality levels and all these things that they see in commercial hospitality. But when you translate it to a private service setting, it doesn't always work. 
because there's daily operational issues and workflow. You know, Mr. McPherson always says they don't realize that there's like a hundred people in the basement ironing the sheets to bring up the iron sheets so the one housekeeper can make the beautiful bed. Well, in private service, if there's just one housekeeper, she can't iron the sheets and make the beautiful bed at the same time, right? And so how do we translate all of those beautiful turndown services and tea services and lovely things that the owners see when they're in a commercial hospitality environment and really make a environment that is comfortable for them to be in a home-like setting, but have it feel luxurious as if they were, um, you know, at a five-star resort. That's such a good point. They do. They want the house. They want to feel like they're in a five-star hotel, but they're only willing to have four members of staff in the house and the hotel's got 400 staff in the hotel. And so it's physically impossible. But um, that's very sensible. That's very wise uh, that your um, previous employer could see that because a lot of people wouldn't see, wouldn't see that. They would just sort of be frustrated that they're not getting the same level of service at home when they've got staff there. So um, yeah, it's interesting. There's always so much more involved than a lot of people sort of realise and everything takes longer than people realize. And people need time off, you know, stuff need time off as well. Absolutely. Well, and that's what I do when I work with, with families is I try to try to show them the differences. You know, that's the crux of the conversation is if, if they're unhappy, if things aren't working, well, how do we create the systems that make their home feel like the environment in which they're, they're requesting? Yeah, sure. Um, having done years of the hands-on service working within the homes, do you miss any of that? Not necessarily because I am in it every single day in a new environment with a new family. So that keeps me on my toes. Um, I love the uh, puzzle of working it out and trying to come up with systems and processes that suit the needs of that particular family. So I'm never bored and I'm always full hands with the staff as I'm training and assisting them. So I feel like I am still in it each and every single day, even though I'm only there as a guest and as a trainer, you know. And I assume your work has taken you all over the States. Well, you touched on earlier about the differences between like North America and Europe and the way homes are runs and expectations, which we'll talk about as well. Do you find those differences across the States? For sure. I mean, the United States is such a large country that we have various pockets of affluency that are um, different in their methodologies and in their mindsets. And so I think that's where a lot of placement agencies say they want like a local candidate. They don't really understand why they want a local candidate, but in my opinion, they want a local candidate because it's from the culture in which they want to establish the household's rhythm. You would never take a California cool, casual, fun, hip girl from Southern California and try to put her into a very formal home in Connecticut. It's just two entirely different mindsets. And so while that person might be very, very good at what she does in LA and the Hollywood mindset, you know, it's, it's a completely different mentality in New Hampshire or Connecticut or somewhere like that and vice versa. And we can go on and on and on about the ways in which staff have to uh, assimilate to the owners in which they're working in. For me, I think it's a conversation about corporate culture. And um, we don't think about families having their own corporate culture. We think about formality levels. Well, formality doesn't always equal functionality. And so whether or not I'm going to come with my skill set and be functional in this environment and whether or not they... Um, require a different level of skill set is based on the culture in which they're trying to um, create that service environment in their homes. So yes, the United States has very, very different pockets of fluency. And I think that the UK um, 
has somewhat continuity of service because of the monarchy. Um, this is kind of a bit cerebral and a bit, you know, academic, but, you know, there's a North American European divide on many things. But I think that because the monarchy has kind of had an undercurrent of protocol and order of precedence, I don't think that UK owners um, struggle with how to treat their staff in a service environment as a North American principal does. And that's just in broad terms. I'm not saying everyone has that struggle. But I think personally, the United States owners um, sometimes struggle with the line of discretion and decorum in their homes. They they have this like distancing versus embracing mechanism that they want to love their staff and treat them well, but yet they want to be served. And so they, they don't understand in a very close environment how to work with their staff at a high level. And I don't necessarily see that struggle in the UK. Can you comment on kind of the mentalities of the different ownership across the pond? I would love to say what you think uh, applies to all the households here, because that would be lovely. But there are some households here that have no bloody regard for their staff and no decorum and have incredibly toxic work cultures and it's a horrendous place to be. And they've taken no inspiration whatsoever from the monarchy and applied any of it to their home. They're just spoiled rich brats that are really rude to their staff. Having said that, there's got to be, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice idea to have and to think that we're led by a monarch and we look up to that as a way to live your life and we should apply some of that to our home. And I think that's a lovely thing to think. And I think some households probably do. But I think I think the UK and Europe is probably very similar to America where there's, there's a pretty, pretty, probably a broad range of households that do it well and households that don't do it well and principles that act well and, and principles that don't act well. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And thank you for for bringing some light to that conversation. I mean, I think perhaps we idealize um, here in America, some of the service culture, you know, from the UK and, you know, the Butler tradition um, itself, because all of the Butler schools, you know, predominantly are in the UK and then they've branched off and created other, you know, learning opportunities um, in various pockets around the world. But it's just interesting, I think, when you layer on like the history of private service and then you layer on like the economic wealth and how that trajectory has changed over time. And then you think about culture and then you think about even just things like religion and how that plays into the service culture in a particular household. So there's all of these layers of nuance that a family sociologist, you know, working in these households would say, my God, like, how do you navigate all the complexities of this work environment? It is, you know, your place of work, but it's their home. And so there's always this like asymmetry of power going on. And so owners that understand that they want to collaborate with their staff and have them be on the same level in terms of respect, I think understand the nuance. If they feel like they have to have their staff be beneath them, that is where the discord comes. And so I try to elevate the conversation and say, look, these people can serve you well and do not have to be regarded as servants. And elevating to the level of, um, you know, personal assistance, executive assistance, really understanding that your staff can be smart and bring amazing things to the table. And they don't always have to work for owners that have to feel like they're the smartest person in the room. And so that is a defense mechanism. I try to kind of break down those walls when I'm in a home that is having a communication issue because really the owners are just trying to create this very clear line in the sand, in my opinion, of saying it's our home environment, like leave us alone. Like you're, you know, we want to do things in a certain way. 
But if they can't remove themselves from the, the, the process of management, they're always managing the details of their life instead of enjoying them. So they have to be able to let go and let the staff do what they do best in order to really have the freedom and enjoyment of the lifestyle they're creating instead of just trying to manage it. Yeah, I think you, we could do with you and pretty much all the households here in the UK to try and get through to principles. And a lot of the time, a lot of people don't feel confident or don't have the, on the position to help educate clients. We try and use our platform to the good of the industry and, you know, to its advantage. So any opportunity we get to talk to a client about how they can improve the way they run their home and manage their staff, we bloody will. But so many recruiters won't because they den or they don't think it's their place or they don't want to upset the person. Obviously, a consultant like you brought in can approach these things. But even how, but there's so many opportunities where I just think a frank conversation with an intelligent principal to explain if we can shift things a little bit, especially in terms of how they view their staff and how they manage their staff, will have such positive outcomes but the conversations aren't uh, frequent enough or firm enough. And um, yeah, I do think, I think a lot of the problems that occur in private households are down to communication. And it's because they're just, yeah, the principles, just what you just said, the principles need to view things slightly differently to get the best out of what they want. And yeah, it's a funny one. You touched on earlier about um, there being lots of sort of training schools here. Uh, and to be fair, off the back of that, even though I think there are households that don't particularly manage their staff well here, I do think that there are there is a quite high level of, experience in the private service here so I do think because of all the training schools it's quite competitive here in the UK especially it's very competitive to get a job in the private households and I think that people are now going down the formal training route and stuff I do think if I look at my candidate database for the UK it's a very high level of experience and training and all the rest which is great so I do think households here are are benefiting from a well-trained well experience candidate pool and and as you sort of said the households that do it right and uh have figured out how to manage their teams effectively are nailing it because i've got very highly experienced staff in a very well-run home but then obviously we've got other households here that's got very experienced staff that just manage poorly and it's a complete waste you know i'm sure you've got in the states as well you'll have homes that manage it ever so well and homes that homes that don't manage it well and i think the homes that manage it well are probably the types of families that are willing to listen and learn and take advice and listen to their estate managers and listen to the recruiter, listen to people like you and use all that information and knowledge to run the house well. And then the households that don't run well are those principals that won't listen or learn, learn from mistakes, have a massive turnover of staff, blame everybody else. So let's run through then. So um, talk, talk me to about your different service offerings. Obviously, you go in, I understand you go into a house and you help sort of assess. What sort of areas in particular do you help with? I assume sort of staffing's one of them or whatever, but can you run through some of your actual service offering and all the, all the areas where you can have quite a lot of value? Yeah, so I will go in and I'll, I'll do um, a full operational assessment. I'll see them in their week in all of the various um, endeavors that the staff is trying to, you know, to, to do. So you can't really advise on daily workflow, daily graces, you know, opening procedures, closing procedures, unless you're witnessing how all of that comes to fruition. So I'm right there six, seven in the morning if, when they start their day all the way through, you know, seven, eight at night, if that's their thread for their operational uh, needs. You know, usually the catalyst is either an issue, a discrepancy, just understanding that they feel a bit overwhelmed, even though they've hired all this staff, they don't want to be the managers of it. And that's what I was kind of saying before. They want to be able to delegate effectively, but not be tied to the delegation process. 
And so that's why I'm really training the owners first and foremost, because the staff comes in with all this training and they're trying to articulate these things, but the owners don't necessarily always understand that they have to teach their staff a flow chart of thought processes and give them decision-making rights in order to be effective in the um, opportunity to reduce the friction every single time the owner has to make a decision. So rather than teaching your staff to go one mile, teach them to go three miles and how the owners would think about that particular scenario so that the staff member, usually, you know, a management level staff member can act effectively as their agent in that capacity rather than calling them every time on the telephone or sending them an email or a text message when they need a decision made. So it's about collaborating with the staff members and the owners to articulate that communication jungle so that everyone is working more effectively. And typically that could be through, you know, hiring a new staff member, helping with the agencies when a staff member has to be retired or terminated, helping with elevating the level of service in a particular silo. So you can say food and beverage or housekeeping or event planning, you know, let's really shore up the processes around a particular silo of hospitality and how we um, elevate the level of service to the owner's expectations. But you're right, it is predominantly a communication conversation and giving the owners the freedom to just be a guest in their own home and not be tied to every decision-making process and give the staff members the autonomy and the freedom to do what they do best and serve in the highest way possible. I just think that's such a valuable service. Thank you. I love what I do. It's um, it's always a puzzle. And I, I just love when the light bulb moments go on for everyone, the staff and owners, when they're talking more effectively together. You know, it's it's not about how you want your coffee now. You know, you, you watch that show, um, Devil Wears Prada with Anne Hathaway. And she's like running through the streets with the shopping and the dogs and the coffee. And it's like, well, what if they're out of soy milk at Starbucks? Like, what do I do? You know, and the, the junior level associate who's never worked in private service before, she gets like this white look in her eyes going, oh my God, like, do I text the principal? Do I call her? Well, no, the principal should give her a flow chart of how to make that decision if she runs up against a hurdle, a struggle, right? And so it can be as simple as they're out of something at the store and I don't know what my owner wants instead to the very complex in terms of, you know, building processes and um, construction management and, you know, some really high ticket, high dollar things. What would the owners want me to do now? And can I do it for them effectively without having to bother them? Because, you know, the principals are very busy people and they want to be in the endeavors that they're working towards throughout their life. They don't want to be tied to the various details of their homes. So this is why they've hired staff. And in order to make them effective, they have to be able to give them the autonomy to do that. Have you ever gone into a household and thought, there's so much damage here, I don't even know where to start? Like the issues with the staff are so severe. And I don't know, have you ever had to go in and be like, right, we've got to start from scratch, get rid of everybody, start again? Or is it is it normally quite fixable? I'm lucky in that if a um, principal owner is willing to hire a training consultant and they're willing to be open to that conversation, they're usually pretty agreeable on some level. And it's not that level of chaos. The level of chaos that I've run across in those instances is when I was placed with uh, households that were toxic and were not healthy in any capacity. And the owners didn't want to be teachable or agreeable to any new best practices. And so it was just a turn and burn environment where the staff was continually being run through the door because it was not an effective service culture. So you know, if they're going to bring in a consultant, usually they're open to organizational change and a service culture assessment. Um, and that's where I really 
feel like the sweet spot is, is that everyone is teachable and we can all come to the table and improve processes for everyone. Yeah, that's a good point. To have you there in the first place shows a certain degree of where they're at. Do you know what I mean? So um, if I look at some of my some of my um, toxic environments, I that you'd be nowhere near it. Like I'd be nowhere near it. They don't, they don't listen to anybody. So yeah, sort of good point. What do you find then? So what do you obviously work with Ultra High Net with day in, day out, like everybody else? What do you find challenging areas for you working with clients of this nature? Well, I think that a lot of, you know, high net worth individuals, I know for a lot of high net worth individuals have so many service advisors in their life in general. I think when they come through the doors of their estate, they're tired of making decisions and they're tired of delegating and they like take the mask off and they don't want to make any more decision making processes. And they really feel like they don't want to institutionalize their home, you know, and have it be run in a way that doesn't feel comfortable to them. But they're not realizing that in order to set up those systems and practices is the only way forward in order for it to not feel like they're tied to every decision-making process. You know, they have lawyers, they have accountants, they have uh, financial advisors, you know, all these people that are peppering them with questions in order to run a very complex lifestyle with a large footprint. But the difference is, is that there are metrics and systems for, you know, being a lawyer and being an accountant and there's um, oversight and regulatory practices. There is no regulatory practice when you work in private service. And so everything has to be created from scratch. And a very well-meaning estate manager can come in with their shiny manual and say, here's all the things that I think you should do, you know, in order to run this household well. And if the owners are not going to be agreeable to that, well, it's always just going to be one-off questions every single time. So that's where you have to systematize those best practices and take a step back in order to elevate the level of service. So like I said before, formality doesn't always equal functionality. Um, and in order to create a functional, well-run service environment, you have to articulate those standards so that the owners can really enjoy the lifestyle they've lived instead of managing it. So true. I think any household that anyone listening who's an estate manager, there must be many people listening basically that thinks this would be useful for a week in my house. Just for a week, just come in for a week. And if nothing else, to help assure them that what they're doing is working really well and is the most effective way of running. And there's always going to be nuggets of information there. You know what I mean? And, and it, I can imagine it'd be like useful to have, like, have you like once a year for like an MOT. Come in, assess. The staff might be different by then. Things may have changed. Come in once a year just to make sure that what we're doing is the best that we could be doing it. You know, I think it's a great service. Absolutely. And I'm always grateful for a referral. Um, you know, of, uh, usually the placement agencies are my best means of referrals because they're seeing the questions that the owners are continually calling and asking of the placement agency. And the placement agency has made a good placement, you know, so it's not fair for the agent to continue to coach them on how to run their service environment. And so this is where I can come in and be a liaison for the placement agency. And I can say, look, the agency is, is saying the correct thing, but you know, they're not your coach anymore. They, they made the successful placement. And so this is where I can come in and coach them on the service advisement going forward. Yeah, nice. Um, what's the name of your company? So it's Luxury Lifestyle Logistics. Um, and that is the name of my URL as well, www.luxurylifestylelogistics.com. Fabulous. And you'll travel all around the States. I'll travel around the States, but I'll go anywhere my passport will take me. If you've got those honorary UK uh, principals that need some assistance and are open to it, I'm more than happy to come across the pond. I say that I predominantly a North American estate manager because of that differences in culture and, and service environment. But yes, I mean, if they are open and willing to a conversation, I will go anywhere my passport will take me. 
And, you know, to create the continuity of service across their multiple properties, you know, multiple properties run very differently. You might have um, a ski chalet that runs very different than a beach home. So how can we create the continuity of service across those multiple holdings, even if it is in multiple, you know, various countries, the owners want to feel like it's the same environment at each of their residences. And so, yes, I like to also create the continuity of service across their multiple properties. Yeah, that's nice. And then the additional challenge there is you've got uh, very different types of staff working in each property. Yeah. And so the organizational culture of the staff is very different. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Oh my God, I could continue to talk about this all day. We have to get you back on, I think. People can also find you with Private Service Alliance. You do a lot of work with Private Service Alliance as well. So we can see you across there too, I guess. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm the principal liaison chair and um, my heart is to actually serve the principals and help them be more effective with their staff. And, you know, there's a lot of training and coaching for the private service professional, but not a lot of um, places and spaces for principals to be open to share their feelings about what it's like to have, you know, household staff. Um, there's an amazing article by Miranda Fricker, and she talks about hermeneutical injustice. And it's a social experience that's obscured from the collective understanding. And this is a very, like, again, academic speak, but I love this because it's an article that describes an environment in which nobody understands it unless you've worked in it. And, you know, private service professionals say that all the time. Um, no one understands what, what it's like to be in private service unless you've served in private service. But I would argue on the opposite side as well is that it's very difficult to have staff and not anyone would understand that unless they've had staff. So the principals are also experiencing their own turmoil of having to delegate their life to an outsider and be able to trust them and be able to try to navigate all the complexities of a complicated lifestyle. You know, they're leaders of industry, they're Fortune 500 leaders and CEOs, and they're doing so much good for the world. And so how can we serve them in the highest way possible and allow them the freedom to enjoy the life they've created if they need to just take a step back and realizing that people are there to serve them in the highest way possible. So that's what I love to do. And, and allowing space for principals to articulate those feelings, I think is important on the other side as well. Love it. Quick fire round to finish. How many years have you worked in private sector? Uh, 23. What are you not very good at? Social media. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Well, you know, it's very private working in private service. So um, I don't know how to post or do, you know, podcasts and things like that. So I'm so grateful for the platform you're providing for everyone. But yeah, all the technology bits um, don't always translate when you work in a private household. So still learning my way around all those things. Fair enough. What was the last thing you Googled for work? Probably something technology related. (laughs) Probably how to get this bloody Zencaster thing that we're trying to work. work yes, to do yes. I'm not rubbish on a computer or anything. It's just there's so much new technology at such a rapid pace and there's all these integrations. You have to Google how everything integrates constantly because I can't keep up. I really can't. So that's, I think, the hardest thing. And people are now using sort of AI for everything and like getting like the computer to write job descriptions for them and write contracts and write social media. Oh, that's a whole nother world. I feel like I've been completely lost on that. Yeah, absolutely. I know, it's mad. What's the top tip to someone starting out in the private sector? I would say uh, training, but more specifically hospitality training, because I do feel like that is the foundation of everything we do in private service. And about 80% of what you will learn in a hospitality environment will transfer into a luxury residential hospitality environment. 
you just have to understand that there's always that 20% that is very different and you have to go with the flow. But um, yes, go get a catering job, go get an event planning job, go work at a restaurant, you know, go work at a hotel. All of that is very, very meaningful experience. But working in a commercial hospitality environment can be very different than in a luxury service setting. So just know that's a great place to start. And it's a good um, place on your resume to begin. But yeah, you'll have to pivot once you get into the mix of it. Yeah, fair. And um, what's your most memorable um, uh, memory of your career so far? What's been a big high for you? I think being on the sidelines of all of these amazing family milestones. You know, I've been privileged to be at weddings. Unfortunately, I've been at some funerals. I've seen babies born. You know, I mean, all of these moments where you, at the end of the day, have to remember that you are serving an actual real life family and you get to be a witness to their life is a really beautiful and meaningful thing for me. And I think that that's my why. That's why I do private service. Um, I could work at a a luxury hotel and and probably sleep better at night sometimes because it's not nearly as demanding as what we do in, in ultra high network service. But at the end of the day, I think it is that family connection that is so meaningful and very special and has been some of the highlights of my career. Oh, yeah, so true. Um, and then finally, do you listen to podcasts? Any other podcasts you can recommend? Yes. I love Coaching for Leaders with Dave um, Sokoviak. I think I said his name correctly. Um, it has 30 million downloads on Apple and it is phenomenal. Uh, I highly recommend they have amazing guests and you will elevate yourself as a, a service leader and as a visionary in whatever capacity life finds you. Um, I just really love learning from that, the high caliber guests on that show. Oh, I am such a big fan of anything to do with coaching, mentoring, anything that's going to help me become a better coach, mentor. Anyone that's managing people should be trying to develop their coaching and mentoring side of things for sure. I talk about it all the time. We do workshops here all the time about it. So I'm actually personally going to check that out on my way home today. I need some more podcasts to listen to. Well, look, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sort of sharing your story and giving everyone a better insight into what you do. Anyone listening, we will link you to everything when we put this out. This will go out in a couple of weeks. Um, and then, yeah, reach out to you. If there's anything that you can do uh, to help, uh, you know, anyone listening, then reach out to you, sort of start the conversation going. But thank you all for you do as well. Thank you all the work you've done with DEMA, Private Service Alliance, everything everything that anyone's doing to better this industry, I'm just such, so thankful for. There's, we need more, do you know what I mean? More people doing more stuff to create a safer space for us all to work. So no, thank you. Philippa, thank you so much for all you do. I really believe that the high tide lifts all boats and you know we're better together than we are apart. And so the more we can collaborate and share our understanding, I think it raises the conversation and elevates the level of service for everyone, not only for the private service member, but also for the um, principals. So thank you so much for just being a catalyst for this conversation and um, and leading the charge in that way. I've really been delighted to be here and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Ah, you are more than welcome. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. Fabulous. Thank you very much once again, Jennifer. As always, very grateful for people giving up their time to come and talk about what they do. That's a great service, isn't it? Bring someone in. Like, if you can't get through through to your boss and he's just not listening and he's not getting it, see if he'll be interested in having a full-on consultant come on and fully assess everything, you know, the full operations, the full staffing, everything else. You know, it could be another sort of voice for you, help give a bit of insight um, and ultimately help things run better. So yeah, her business is Luxury Lifestyle Logistics. We'll link it on LinkedIn. Please feel free to reach out to Jennifer Lawrence on LinkedIn if you want any more information. Other than that, have a really good week. You know where we are if you need us, silversonrecruitment.com and I'll see you in a week's time. Cheers, everybody. Bye.